Welcome to If I'm Honest. On today's episode, we are talking to Jerron Gilcrest about his research that he conducted while he was in the Masters of Interpreting program. What I like about this conversation is he brings research to the interpreter archetype, and we discuss the standards of professional address and how they adversely impact Black and Brown interpreters. What I also like about this conversation is it's like one of those private conversations that typically happens between Black and Brown interpreters on a regular basis. We've been having this conversation for years, but now I get to invite you in. So come on in the room. Let's talk about it. Welcome to If I'm Honest a podcast where we address and discuss issues in the sign language interpreting profession using an anti-racist lens. Here, we intentionally take up space and we say the thing. We name the thing that previously hasn't been named in efforts to change, challenge, and dismantle problematic narratives in our field. And we do this because an anti-racist interpreter is just a better interpreter, period. I'm your host, Keisha Osborne, and I've been having these conversations for over a decade on an individual level. I think it's high time that we expand the conversation to include you. Let's talk about it. All right. So today I'm talking with Jerron Gilchrist, and we are going to talk about the interpreter archetype. And one of the things specifically we're going to talk about is dress. And he has written a paper, which he is going to talk about, and it's going to lead us into this really good conversation. So come on in. Hello. How you doing, baby? I'm doing all right. So yeah, I just graduated from Gallaudet University this past May in the Interpretation Translation Department. And my focus for my paper was titled, What to Wear? Black and Brown Interpreters' Perspective and Experiences about Professional Attire and Appearance. So with the research, it was a qualitative study. We got some really good stuff, and I invite everyone to read the paper. But it really talks and sheds light on topics that usually are held in private circles with, mm-hmm. with us. Right, you know, right, right. when we keep away from everybody. Yeah. So it was nice to put that into the light so everyone could, you know, get a different perspective on it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, tell me, tell me about this paper, though. Like, what did you find? I feel like you didn't find, it wasn't that necessarily that you found something, but that you put something on paper that we have been talking about for years. Yes, we've been talking about it, but I wanted to start off with the paper asking the interpreters, like, where did you learn to dress for an assignment? Like, where mm-hmm. did you learn to dress Mm-hmm. And all of them talked about growing up home. A lot of the teachings that they learned from home, from their parents, from their community, from other interpreters that they saw. And having that, you know, as us as Black people, we have a, a unique way of expressing ourselves. And we want to make sure that when we step out into public, that we look presentable. That's all, always was a requirement. Right. So it even touches back to even the civil rights movement when they had these protests and marches. Yeah. And things that they had all across the country, there was a, a dress requirement. You had to wear your Sunday's best. Yes. You know, and, and we, we hear that time and time again growing up, put your pants mm-hmm. up. What's wrong with your hair, girl? You know, that's that's too revealing. You know, you have all these things. So we take these things that we've learned from home and we use that, especially as black people going into white spaces. Absolutely. My grandmother used to say, it makes me think of my grandmother, she say, we take pride in the way we look. Don't you walk out this house looking crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So that that was really interesting to me. But then we got to the ITPs, the interpreter education programs. And that is when things started to get sticky. You know what I mean? I do. Because the professor pool in these ITPs 90-something percent of the time, you're having a white professor. Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with a white professor. 
professors. However, when you have a variety of students, or if you have a student of color, it's nice to sometimes have someone that looks like you, that understands that cultural competence, that's able to, you know, have that connection. But with the ITP programs, we have this archetype of the interpreter. You have to wear all black. You have mm -hmm. to strip everything out of your bones. You cannot have anything that expresses anything of you. You have to just be stripped down. Right. And it comes to the idea of contrasting colors. Now, the contrasting colors is, is, is a can of worms. So I don't know if we have enough time in the episode to dig we all We got time. Things. We got time. But baby, it's, 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 it's one of which is us as Black people or people of color. Like, we know what looks good on us. We do. We know what colors work for us. Mm. And we are not a monolith. Like, there's a range of Black. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that can change from everyone. So to put a one size fit all is not a good way to go about it. Absolutely. Oftentimes it's, 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 it's a mold that they have that we would never be able to fit in. And it, was, right. it wasn't designed for us to fit in. So how do we navigate that? So that comes with the, the interpreter training programs. There's no diversity in their teaching pool. Right. And a lot of these new institutions, especially since George Floyd and the BLM movement, all of that DEI platform, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But then we need to see that in, your, in the classroom retention with the students. We need to see that in the leadership at the school. We need to see that in the professors. I need to see that in the things that you are providing as resources for us. I don't want to look at a white interpreter as the as the example all the time. Right. right. You know, they don't represent the interpreting community as right. a whole. Right. And they don't represent deaf people as a whole. Hey, come on. So all of that that you have on your website to be shown in your classrooms. So they right. have times uh, the some of the interpreters in the interviews talked about the experience in the ITPs where professors didn't know what to do with them or they felt like they were the other, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all alone. And I, and I graduated from my program. I was the only black student in mine. You know, so certain questions that we have, they're not able to address it in a way that makes someone feels good. It feels like it's a weird feeling to have. So just by lighting that, that was another interesting topic that came along. Yeah, you know, I was talking about the interpreter archetype and like it's so pervasive that it is white centric because, right, there are no interpreter examples, examples of interpreters that are diverse. There's no language diversity. Everybody doesn't use ASL the same. And what they show us is a white person using C, a white person using ASL, and maybe someone who they have diagnosed as minimal language, right? And so, and all of them invariably are white. Right. Like, so how are we supposed to see ourselves if you don't diversify the space? But I think if we go back to dress, like black is a contrasting color for white people. It's it's hugely contrasting. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is no rich diversity. I think the question is, how do we fix that? Well, I think it comes with the schools, you know, making intentional decisions to hire people of color, to hire a, a diverse pool of professors and interpreters. I don't think a lot of them take the that first step. They talk about it, you know, they publicize it in certain areas, but in action, I don't see that happening. There's no reason why my ITP program, I had one professor by the grace of God, one Black professor, but some students don't even have that. 
you know, and that was only for a semester. You know what I mean? So I think they have to really make those decisions. And it's, it's gatekeeping. You know, it really is gatekeeping. I feel like we have to go above and beyond, even as an interpreter, or even if you're in the academia lane, you have to go above and beyond to prove that you deserve that space. You know what I mean? Which other non-Black brothers and sisters don't always have to do that in a lot of ways. They don't. Do. They so. absolutely don't. They don't. But you said something, and and when we were talking, you said you had mentioned something about just this idea that all of this standards inform the DNS list. Well, yes, that's what that's what they do. I wanted to touch upon. Well, let me touch on that, and then I'll touch upon something else. I have a good example of that. So about I want to say it was was it 2020, 2021 when the Biden no, was it the I think it's which, which administration it was. Okay. But the White House started having, it was the Biden administration when he first came into office. Trump, right before him, had the lawsuit where they had to hire black, they had to hire interpreters for the press conferences and everything from, yeah, you know, they did the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So with that, I, I started working at the White House. And, you know, me, I was excited getting this opportunity. So I get there to the White House and I see my team of interpreters. And of course, I'm the only black interpreter. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, us having home values and things that we learn from home, I've come to the White House dressed to kill. I'm dressed to the nine. Right. I'm not playing with nobody. You know what I mean? Right. I'm dressed down. Yes. You know what I mean? I had on a navy blue suit. I had on a light pink shirt, you know, and a navy blue tie, you know? And I had on my Stacey Adams shoes. I'm ready for church. You know, I'm dressed. Yes. I'm the only Black interpreter, and I see my other white colleagues, and they're not dressed how I'm dressed. Okay. Um, at the White House, when you go to interpret, they put you into a separate room in the executive office, not his executive office. They have an office of a building called the executive office. Sure. And they put you into one of the rooms and it has a cameras, but there's no cameraman. Everything is done remotely. You know what I mean? The camera, the lights, everything is done re remotely from the tech people in a different room. So I do my thing. I interpret and my team is not very friendly. They're not supportive, but that's besides the point. Besides but the point. I get back home to get an email about, Jerron, I don't think that was your best job. And especially your clothes that you had on. It was hard to see you. I don't think it was contrasting enough. Do you think, because I was working that whole week, that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. That was oh. Monday. Okay. Okay. But I'm sitting here like, okay, well, let me, let me not take it personal. You know, let me switch it up. Uh -huh. So the next day I had on a lighter blue suit, you know, it was still dark, but a lighter, a lighter blue. And I had on a white shirt and I had on, you know, a black tie or whatever. So I go interpret, you know, do my thing, come back home to another email and phone call. Yeah, that still didn't work for us. The way you look in the background and your clothes, it was hard to see your hands. It was hard to read. And, you know, mind you, I'm a certified interpreter like my colleague. Right. Come on. You, you come on. I see you what know, you're I'm saying. Surprised. Like, I deserve to be here, too. You know, and, and if my skills were that in question, you invited me here. You know, but that's besides the point. Sure. So by this time, I'm taking it personal. Sure. So I go home and I have suits galore. So I put on a different suit, a different shirt, a different color, you know. So I get into, this is on Wednesday now. So I get into the White House and before we start anything, I said, I need to talk to, to the tech man. Can you bring the tech man? And they brought the tech man. And I said, and he, the tech man was a black man. I said, you know, I've been getting a lot of flat about my clothes. And I looked on Twitter because they have a, a live feed on Twitter. And I looked online and I, and, and what struck me was, was that the lighting, the lighting was off. I could still see me. I didn't see what the problem was, but if I could approve anything, it would be the lighting. Sure. I said, hey, you know, I'm a black man. Are we able to turn up the lights? Because the lights are already preset for the white interpreters that come and work there every sure, day. You know sure, what I'm saying? Sure. So when they had black interpreters, they hadn't adjusted anything. Wow. So they brought the lights up, got back home. I got nothing but praises. I got nothing but good job. You were so
so much clip, but the heartache in, in the BS that I had to go through Monday, Tuesday, and partially Wednesday for that. But I think they use clothing as a way to to nick at you, you know, right. to mm-hmm. break you down, yeah. to make you give up. If you don't, yeah. as a result of that, once they got that together, then the team there who was not supportive made up a whole thing and put me on a, on a DNS. It's a popular thing for a lot of Black interpreters. We expect it and oftentimes it happens. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. I think too, it's like, why didn't they notice they don't didn't even have the vision to see, oh, it's a lighting issue. Like that's simple. That's a, it's a lighting issue. Why I mean, like to me, I'm like, why is the onus being put on you for not having contrast because they are wearing solid black? Why isn't it almost as like, is there common sense? I don't get it all. I don't get it. Yeah. And then we also talked about when Black interpreters wear Black to an assignment. Sure. What does it look like? Because I've heard both sides. I've sure. heard you can't wear Black. It's, yeah. it's contrasting to your skin. And who are you as a white person to tell me what's contrasting to my skin? I'm not deep color Black. You know, my skin is contrasting enough where you can still see my my hands. Right. To understand my sign. You know, and you have some Black people that I can wear Black. There's nothing wrong with me wearing Black. But then you get criticized. You know, it's. It's, that was interesting this discussion. Who was at that table in that Who discussion? Who was at that table? table? Who was at that table? Like, nobody black, for sure. Nobody black was at that table, I'm, I'm sure. For sure, right. But they set that up as a standard. And if you sway away from that, anything yeah. other than that, then you get deemed. Right. And it's not professional. You know I mean? Right. Yeah, it's good. I, it makes me think of Eileen Roberson, who's a dark skin interpreter. She used to live in Maryland. She's now in Hawaii. I'm not sure if she's still doing the work anymore, but she's dark skin. I mean, chocolate, gorgeous, rich complexion. And I talked to her about this one time and she said, I look better in black. I don't mm-hmm. wear anything else. Matter, She said, matter of fact, when I wear white, the contrast is too big. Mm-hmm. And I thought, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But they tell us, and I was told, don't wear black because, you know, you're black. Like me being a black person somehow means I'm the color black and it doesn't contrast with my don't, skin. Don't, it it don't, the math, it's not mathing. It don't add up. I didn't get it. And I didn't go to an ITP, like starting out, like I'm a coder. So I just came out and started working. And I didn't get those secret policy, secret rules that they give you guys. And I came out into the field and I'm getting criticized. I didn't understand where it was coming from. So it took a while for me to, oh, understand. And this is the game. Like this is, because I feel, this is just me, my lens of the world. It becomes them and y'all. Right. You know what I mean? We're going to wear our black. Uh Like this is our uniform and y'all figure it out, but you can't cross this line. Like this is our, you mean, that's kind of how it feels. Sure. I think it's it's like I think we are so used to othering people in this country that that when we get into the workplace, it's like, OK, so we should have diversity. But how do we create separation? How do we subconsciously because maybe it's not conscious. Maybe let's give these white people the benefit of that. Maybe they're not actually thinking about it, but they are othering. They're using professional standards. Right. Mm-hmm. In air quotes to other mm-hmm. people to say you aren't qualified to be in this space. That is like something to say. Something to say. That is something to say. You'd be surprised the stuff that people go through and what they experience out here working in the field as a black and brown interpreter. Like, I would be not surprised. be surprised. I, I, matter of fact, I'm trying to platform it. Let's talk about it because what on earth? What on earth is, is it about? It. I think it comes with, there, there's, Another thing that we talked about in the paper, there's a generational shift happening right now. 
Sure. And there are a lot of seasoned interpreters that have been in the game 15, 25 years plus that when they started interpreting, they had to move a certain way. There was no BLM. George Floyd was still going about his everyday life. We didn't have a lot of these social things in our country that had sparked this new awareness. So. Mm Oftentimes, you had to dress a certain way. You had to, you still have to code switch, but yeah. there's a certain way that a lot of older interpreters had to move to, for success in the field. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think a lot of the younger interpreters, the millennials and younger, have come into the field and it's like, hey, why are we still going through that? Why are we still doing that? Like, the, what's most important? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand it? You, are you understanding the message? Am I clear? Am I clear? Like, that's the point. Mm-hmm. And it was one older interpreter in my paper who's a black woman in her she didn't say her age but she's 50 plus that's what she's put on the survey she's 50 and or up you know and she's been interpreting for years sure. and she loves braids you know how we wear braids right you know yes. you go you can just wear braided. and baby she said she was only able to wear braids when it was vacation time wow when she was away from work because she knew that if she took her black ass in that courthouse to the court interpreter most of the time, into that courtroom, she would not be able to work. Wow. She would be on that do not send list. And it was not until the Crown Act, that was a new law signed with the 2015, 2018, somewhere around there, recent mm-hmm. Crown Act, where, you know, it, it gave the license to wear your natural hair, whatever your culture is, or if you have a whatever garment you want to wear that represents you or your culture, you, you know, you can't be criticized, you can't be penalized for that. Sure. So it wasn't until that law that she began to wear braids at 50-something years old to work. When our colleagues come in here with mohawks, with zigzags and purple and green hair and spikes, and what we if we want to wear an earring that has a a unk on it or an African-shaped earring or a hair wrap or wear our braids, we can't do that. Right. But y'all can do that. Right. And oftentimes, child, the skills are not there. It's mediocre. But they get praised for being mediocre. But sure. us, we have to be exceptional inter- exceptional voices, right. exceptional hands up. Then you have to look a certain way. And do, yeah. But they don't have to do all that. Right. And I don't know if they even know that this is that is a real feeling and it has been passed down to us. We have to be way better to be beat the bare minimum, to be equal. Absolutely. Better to you be have to be equal. better than you have to be better, better than, than good. good. Absolutely. You have to be better than good. And I learned yeah. that from my mother. I learned that from my mother and, and my family, the McCaskills. I'll go ahead and say it, the McCaskills. Uh-huh. Baby, I have seen how they navigated their way through Gallaudet University. They've been there since the 70s and the 80s. Sure. And they have worked their way to the top. But the BS that they had to endure with a smile. With a smile. Dressed to the nine. They had to in- internalize so much to get ahead and play their game. Mm-hmm. Use them. So I learned that from them. And that's the approach that I use when I go out into these interpreting spaces. You know? Sure. But you do. You have to be exceptional yeah. to be respected. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember I went to this job. I will never forget it. A conference. The, it was a conference job, and the girl who deemed herself the coordinator, white woman, she was wearing a T-shirt, and they were kind of like joggers, more like hospital pants. They were hospital pants. She oh, was yeah, a T-shirt, but... hospital pants, black shoe, and a blazer. Baby. And Ooh. a blazer, right? And so it, 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 it elevated all of these things. 
And I will never forget it because when I got to the job, she asked me why I was qualified to be there. Oh, oh my God. She said, she said, why are you qualified to be here? I couldn't Hmm. even believe it. Then she said, what are your credentials? Like, like, like why am I qualified to be here? It wasn't clear. What are your credentials? She ran down her whole 10, 11 year history of interpreting. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. And she's wearing a t-shirt and hospital pants. <laughs> Dressed like you have to come to work. It's, it's unbelievable. The audacity. Have several seats in an empty stadium. So, like, I don't understand that. But not to like play like that knick-knack game, but it, you have to recognize that there's an imbalance. Sure. You know, of expectations. Yeah. Of how we have to come into a space. You know what I mean? And if you want to be successful in this field, you have to play this game, which we should not have to play. Right. You know what I mean? I think that us as black and brown interpreters know what looks good on us. Of course, on both sides, you have renegades that's going to do what they want to do. That doesn't sure. you know, follow the standard. But overall, people know what looks good on them. So mm-hmm. I just want to have more attention shed on that because it really has done a lot to some interpreters internally and how they show up in the space. Sure. And, you know. Sure. People show up with a lot of anxiety. Like, I don't want to be DNS. I don't want to be critiqued to criticize because this doesn't contrast enough. I, people, people do show up like that. They do. Yeah. It's called trauma. It affects who you want to work with. It does. It affects if you even want to interpret anymore. That's why some interpreters stay in church. It's a safe space. Yeah. I have my deaf community. They understand me. I don't have to worry about all of the excess stuff that comes out with the freelance interpreting. I can be in my safe space or interpret it in not necessarily church, but other spaces that you feel safe. You sure. know what I mean? And like, I think if we even if we even go back to the hair for a minute, because I'm just thinking about she wasn't she's trying to wear a natural hairstyle like your comparison. She's just wearing her just a natural black look braids in comparison to pink. Right. Mm -hmm. It's so imbalanced. It's so imbalanced. And sometimes it it, you're right. We want to go into these places that are safe so that we can safely show up as ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. And I should be able to do that in any space. You should. But oftentimes people conform. Yeah. They conform yeah. to a success. You right. know what I mean? If you be successful in this space, bitch, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do, bitch. I got to wear this color. I got I can't. I got to sign it in a box. I have to make sure I smile enough to not make them think that I'm upset and they feel intimidated. So let me smile. And it's a fake smile. Let me move. You know what I mean? You have to, con- you have to play the game. Sure. Which sure. is unfair. It's unfair. So what else did you find? Did you find anything else? Just like from the the interviews that you did, like how did you conduct your research? Well, yeah, what I did was I did two focus groups. It was a total of 10 participants. So I really invite you guys to read the paper because there's so much here. But yeah, so that's how we did. So we had just had a, a natural conversation that lasted two hours each. So once I did the focus group interviews, I transcribed everything. And then I went through and I made codes of things that came up repeatedly or patterns or interesting topics that other people, you know, chimed in on. And we came up with codes and topics. So that's how that went. So we're going to place the link somewhere. So you yeah, guys can we're click place it. it somewhere. It's yeah, free. yeah. Absolutely. So, but, yeah. but, but is there anything that you found that you, that we haven't talked about as of yet? Well, we really touched everything. We talked about the generational shift in the field. We talked about wearing black. We talked about us having to be better than good. 
You talked about having safe spaces, being comfortable to work and show up in. We talked about the double standards that they have, well, the double standards in the field as far as sure. how we show up, our attire, our professional appearance. And we talked about where we learn to dress at home, you know, your family, your community, mm-hmm. uh, and in the interpreter training program experience and how that plays a huge role. So that was basically a lot of the, the things that came up in the discussions, but inside of the paper, you have more of their words verbatim of what some of the participants said. So when oh. you get some free time, check it out. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm also thinking about? I'm going to just think about this, that, but there is a completely different culture that when we show up as Black people, when we come into ITPs, I will never forget, and this is not necessarily on dress, but it's just about culture, right? I remember when I got to my ITP and we were, they wanted us to call them by their first name. I was like, who? Yeah, yeah no. Who? Who call them by their first name? <laughs> Yeah, I, and, and and then our our department chair, his name was Lawrence. And they wanted us to, to call him Lawrence. Who, who's calling him Lawrence? And so for the first yeah. year of my program, I didn't call anybody anything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call anybody anything. Certainly not in English. Not in English. Because like culturally, okay. we, you're right. We bring what we were taught at home. And when mm-hmm. but at home is sir and no, it's sir. Yes, sir. Ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. That's what it no, is. Sir. You don't call mm-hmm. anybody. You look at somebody, you see their age, and you say, okay, miss, what's your name? Okay, got mm-hmm. it. That's like, what it my is. My have no license to call me by my first name. I have no you know, license. That's how grew up. Yeah, you have to show that respect. I got popped in the mouth. Pop, same. Same. Okay. Who are you talking to like that? Exactly. Yeah. So it's such a culture shift and we do bring our full selves. And then it's like, you know, sometimes our full selves just don't fit because, okay. because the system is built to exclude, right? It's, it's, it's built to include a specific kind of self, right? And so yeah. like, I think it's important to have a conversation about how we come into a space and how we navigate that space, but also like how we build out the space so that the newer interpreters know what to do. Somebody had just asked me the other day, like, what am I supposed to wear to work? You know, what am I supposed to wear to work? And I think part of that is because, right, he has his upbringing, you know, from growing home. But like when you're looking around the field, it's like, I I don't want to wear that. So how... Mm -hmm. So, so he's stuck in the middle. Like, how do I make a decision on what's appropriate to wear to work when he knows, he knows what to wear, mm-hmm. right? But it's not accepted. In mm-hmm. 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 I was just about to say that you hit it right on the nail. That's, that's, that's interesting. That's so interesting. I get a lot of people coming up to me, asking me the same thing about what to wear is this appropriate for this job or that. I just try to give what I can. But I will say to me, I think a lot of the younger interpreters are like, just don't care. Like, don't care in a good way. It's like, I'm not ex- accepting what you're spreading over here. I'm in my zen. I'm vibing. I, I know I look good. I know my hands are clear. I'm not accepting that. I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm not, I don't need that energy. So they block it. You know what I mean? I've noticed sure. that the younger interpreters are other interpreters, even even me myself too, I'm kind of in the middle because I had to play the game too to the point where I said I don't give up anymore. You know what I mean? 
But yeah. I feel like the younger interpreter get it right away. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, what's the what's the holdup? Like, why why does it take twenty years for stuff to change? Thirty years for for something to change? It's simple sure. as that. Sure. Yeah. We, yeah. I, I was definitely. My mom would say, Keisha, you got to play the game. She'd say it all the time. She will say it to me today, Keisha. You got to play the game. And here's the thing about the young interpreters, which I appreciate. But here's what I I also want to say is have the skill. If you gonna re- if you gonna rebel, if you gonna show up, want to show up as your authentic self, and you want to push some boundaries, have the mm-hmm. skill, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there are people who are showing they don't have the skill, they don't mm-hmm. have the things that are necessary to do the job effectively. And I don't, I'm not saying that as a as somebody I need you to represent me. I'm just saying like, baby, you setting yourself up for failure because your skills aren't there. Your skills aren't mm-hmm. there, and you showing up as your authentic self, and people already don't want to accept that. Like you belong on a DNS list, right? And Mm -hmm. not because I think so, but that's exactly where they're going to put you because you don't have the stuff to back. You don't have the chops to back it up. And they're not going to give them the same latitude as they give another interpreter with the same skill set. Absolutely. They will get nurtured. They will be mentored. They will be guided. You will be sent on the DNS. Thank you, C5 Nice. You know what I mean? Right. So that's the part. Playing the game too, yeah, having that balance. So you can't stick your chest out in, if your skills are not there, and it shouldn't be like that. But unfortunately, that's the game that we play. You it have is. to be, you have to, you be, have to be exceptional. You have to be so good that they can't. They want to try to anyway, but so good where they can't question your skills. I, you know, I agree. Like, you know I what I mean? You have to be that good, and you have to be intentional to get to a place where that happens. You know. Sure. I think also there has to be a way to, and I I think this is a conversation, a larger, much larger conversation that we're not going to have here today, but there has to be a way to address these preferred lists and these DNS lists because they foster racism and oppression, right? Yes, they do. But you have to understand it is gatekeepers. It's someone at a desk, like they can complain about the darnest thing. I had one lady complain, put me on a DNS list at, I won't even say what the place is, confidentiality. In a government office in D.C., I had on burnt orange pants and a black polo. You know, I'm dressed. You know, I I, I like labels. I like nice things. You know, I I know I'm dressed. And your pants were too loud for me. I didn't, didn't, the client said they didn't like your pants. They were too loud. It was a distraction. And they asked that you not come back. Well, one, why why is that such an issue? The pants being burnt orange, like was it really that distraction? You have a sure. polka dot in in plaid in green eyelashes. I mean, green eyeshadow, but I'm a distraction. But two, <laughs> if, if it was a distraction so bad, did you give me an opportunity to fix to correct it? it? Come to on, correct it? like do I not deserve that? They don't even give you that. That's what I'm talking about they don't give you the latitude so your black ass go right on this list with the other black and brown interpreters so we don't want y'all we want sally we want juniper we want sarah and becky and tom tom comes sometime too we want them yeah yep but keisha jerron lawanda and, and tony uh-uh we're not doing that in here no more no we're not uh-uh. no that's how you you find that time and time again we do so yeah. So I even asked, like, throughout the year, can we circle back on this? Am I able to accept jobs there anymore? Oh, they they, they still prefer you not to come. Same right. thing happened at the White House. They said that you didn't accept feedback well and your clothing and this and that. And they just would prefer you not to come back. They have a preferred list of interpreters that they want to choose. Wild. Like, they, 
arbitrary. Like it's so arbitrary. Wow. It's so arbitrary. It happens at all the big interpreting agencies. It happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. it happens all the time. And and here's the other thing. And since we want to talk about being at the table, lots of us are not at those tables either. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how do we mm, I don't want to be at them tables neither. I ain't gonna hold you. I'm not well, interested I in those kind of politics. I made my Let's own table. Let's create our own table. Yeah. I yeah. Created yeah. My own table. I created my agency interpret this during 2020. Because let me tell you what happened during 2020. COVID hit, right? COVID hit and we were virtual now. Everybody was unsure what was happening. Jobs were coming and going. We weren't sure. Then right around the same time. Black Lives Matter happened. BLM happened. So I got the jobs came and go. It was kind of, you know, unsure. And then got started getting all these requests for black interpreters, black interpreters, black interpreters, black interpreters. And, you know, I was one of maybe one of few interpreters that some of these agencies had. So they kept coming to me. But y'all were just about to fire me because y'all couldn't afford it because of COVID. Y'all couldn't do this. Y'all couldn't do that. Complaints and da, da, da. So I dropped them, let go all those agencies. Boom, boom, boom. And I created my own space and I brought other black and brown interpreters in because you're not about to tokenize me. Ooh, you're not about on. to tokenize me because you need a black face to show and represent your sure. agency. When you don't hire me or black and brown interpreters all year round. So for Black History Month, I'm not interpreting for you. Right. We have not had an internship all year round. Right. It's only I know who I know who hires me all year round and I know who doesn't. Yeah. And when that time comes around for whatever it is, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Right. I even had a lady recently wanted me to do a, another project coming up. And historically, the interpreters have been all white. And she was like, yeah, I'll tell you, to be honest, Jerron, I heard a lot about you. And we need we need a black interpreter. We need a black interpreter. It's like, I want you to do it. Okay, well, fine. I would love to be a part of it, but this is my rate. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think. Well, how are you going to come seek me out? Right, 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 right. You haven't asked me anything for, for the whole 10 years I've been interpreting. Yeah. And then you ask, but then you don't want to pay my rate? At the bare minimum, we, yeah, but we're, we're paying for your flight in your hotel. Well, girl, you're supposed to. You think <laughs> I'm paying for it? You think I'm flying myself out there to work for you in front of a, a space where I will be the minority and uncomfortable? Sure. Girl, no, I won't do it. Find somebody else to do it. Get, Get somebody, somebody else, to else to do it. So yeah. there are, but there are some agencies, some white-owned agencies, and some white allies that understand it, that get it. They create space. They hire me all year round. Like the Kennedy Center is a great one. Like, like they have relationships with all different types of interpreters. It's come one, come all. Oh, do you have the skills? Do you know you the play? The skills. Do you know the play? Do you know yeah. the music? Good. Well, come yeah. on. You know what I mean? So like it's some, it's some allies, some teams, you know, you team with, they get it. They speak and advocate and call stuff out if needs be, you know. So we do have that. So I'm grateful for that. But I want everybody on the same page. Can we all just get along, baby? I'm tired. Yes. Y'all can have interpreters. It's it's exhausting. You get burnt out. Yeah, it's exhausting. You really do. Especially with the tokenizing. Like that thing right there is so rampant. And they don't even know that they're tokenized. They don't know that they keep picking you. Oh, we need a black interpreter. Oh, they got the skill. They don't understand really the, the whole issue with tokenization. It's like, can I be the full spectrum of who I am. I want to show up authentically as myself all the time. And I'm qualified a lot more often than you mm-hmm. use me, than you choose mm-hmm. me. I'm mm-hmm. qualified, right? And so put like- me schedule. Put me in coach. Put me on the schedule. Put me in coach. Put me on the schedule. Absolutely. They only pull you when, when it's something in your, but that's another thing too. I think that's what makes black interpreters a little bit more versatile than white interpreters. This is just my lens. 
in the world. So black interpreters, we have to go interpret in a variety of spaces. I done done bar mitzvahs, honey. Like I don't know nothing about no bar mitzvah. I done done everything from the courtroom. Like I done done everything. You know, black yeah. space, white spaces, because I want to be good. I want to be able to be higher. Sure. But white interpreters stay in their box. They right. stay in their community. They don't go over here. They don't come over there with them. They don't, we stay right here. So when the rare time that it, it does come up, they're awkward because they don't have, they can't even scratch the surface because right. they haven't placed themselves in these different spaces. Well, right. us, as we can code switch, you know, you want to keep your, I think Falami said it, you want to, you want to keep your allegiance to your community, but you want to be able to work amongst the masses. Uh, you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. You know, but a lot of white interpreters don't do that. Right. So they don't know the Black National Anthem, honey. They can't do certain artists that come, you know what I mean? We had, we had a, con I won't even say, because we had a concert recently. Okay. And the team was white. They were just there for the, a certain part. Okay. Good. So, but I'm I'm working, uh -huh. and she's supposed to be feeding, feeding me, and she's stuck, like she's frozen, like she doesn't know what to do. And I'm like, that's the whole point. You need to be be in these. Did you listen to the music before you got here? Right. Did you did you did you you know what I mean? But yeah, they don't yeah. place themselves in those positions. They stick to what they know. Yeah, and we have been code switching our whole lives, right? We've been doing this since we were babies. Mm -hmm. Came out the womb, code switching. <laughs> In code switching, also, that's another discussion, but for black and brown interpreters trying to pass the certification, Ooh, you have to code switch. You have, you have to, to code, code switch. switch. Unfortunately, I, I don't I think it's BS. You should do that. I think it's BS. But yeah. if you want to pass that test, baby, yeah. let me tell you what you're gonna have to do. You're gonna have to code switch. You have to sign in this box, you have to do certain things a certain way, you have to smile. Yeah. You, you know, baby, I could write a whole book about that. And it's Keep BS. It it's be, keep it cute, but it's BS. It is. You know what I mean? Is. Yeah. It is. It is. But, but hopefully there are more of us at that table too, right? Like who was at that table? So we ain't got to code switch so hard, right? Like, come on. <laughs> okay. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming. I really enjoyed this okay. conversation. It was a good time. I know I'm all over the place, girl, but you know, we'll be all right. It was good. It was great. I love it here. This has been If I'm Honest. I'm your host, Keisha Osborne, and this is a place where we have hard conversations. Until next time.